Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, girl, hey, welcome back to my weekly podcast, Taste of Taylor. I'm your host, Taylor Strecker, and right now I have two guests Two guests with me. Uh, one has been a guest on Taste of Taylor before, Lyris Cross. Welcome back to Taste of Taylor. Thank you so much. I had a great time last time that I was like, let me come back with one of my girls. Thank you. And now <laughs> you introduce me to Jasmine Carthon. Did I say your last name right? I am the queen of fucking up names. Car- <laughs> it's Carthon. Carthon. Uh, she Carthon, goes, yeah. her name's Jasmine, but you go by Jazz. I fucking love yeah. your name. Um, welcome to Taste of Taylor. <laughs> Thank you for joining. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very happy to be here. So you guys are here together because you are both, well, you both are Project Runway model winners. That's right. I know that, Lyris, we talked about, so Lyris, you were the first plus model winner on Project Runway, and Jazz, you were the Project Runway model winner of season 16, Yeah, we were together. No, no, we were together. You were together. Yeah, both of us. Oh, Oh, I remember that. That's what Jazz said. And it was the first year... That there was a tie. Yeah. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. It's all coming together I think now. Lyris, Lyris, you were one of the first plus models on Project Runway, period. Season because 14, you did the finale. The, mm-hmm. the finale mm-hmm. walk, season 14. Right. And then together, we were the like part of the first plus models to ever be on, on Project Runway as like designer. weekly Yeah, weekly episode, designer you know? challenge. Yeah, with the designers every week. Which was, yep. yeah. And then we won together. <laughs> and so how about you explain to the audience also the significance of being, you know, the first plus models to be on the show because fashion, the fashion industry, and that's really what we're going to be talking about on the podcast today, um, is the fashion industry as a whole, um, body image. Um, it also, it tends to be, I mean, I'm going to let you guys explain it. I, who the fuck am I to explain it? But the, the fashion industry, the point is it needs to change. And you guys are literally working on that right now. You both are a part of Models for Change. You guys can follow them on Instagram at Models for Change now. And basically, it's asking the fashion industry to uh, pledge to be more inclusive and to represent more diversity. So I'm going to let you guys, this is just, this is, this is my, I'm handing the mic over to you. This is my platform. You guys take it and explain everything that you're doing, the work you're doing, because honestly, it's incredible. You said part of it, part of it was about, you know, being inclusive and, and like actually expressing diversity, but a big part of it is not being racist. Like that's, (laughs) that's the the hugest thing because, because we're, we're like, we can, 
these brands, they preach so much inclusivity and they preach so much diversity. And there's a lot of performative allyship. There's a lot of it. But the biggest thing is we want to be treated equally. We want the same, the same benefits, the same hair and makeup, the same, um, the same pay. We there, we just want an even playing field. Um, and to like really level everything out. That's, that's why, um, why would I think Models for Change now came about? Because we're just, we're in a climate today where just everyone is fed up. Like we've yes. been dealing with 400 plus years of systemic racism. And that systemic racism isn't just in the government. It bleeds on, bleeds yes. into every industry in everyday life. So with all of the microaggressions and everything, this is, this is why Models for Change, you know, why Models for Change now came about because it's a bigger picture. It's not just, we know it's not just about fashion, but we're using what we can do, our platforms, what's, what's most influ- influential for us, which mm-hmm. is the fashion industry right. and changing it that way because we need all of the mm-hmm. racism to stop. And, yes. and, all and yes, <laughs> another thing why we're associated with them is because we want change and we want it now. Uh a lot of times, you know, I've been modeling for over a decade, so I've seen changes take place over the years. Um, I've told my stories about uh, different uh, racist issues or uh, prejudice issues within my industry, and we've taken baby steps. Right now, we're ready for some leaps, you know? We, we want some, some, yes. some programs, some policies put into place to really change the game. And we want change now. And we want change for uh, race, for size, for um, shape, for, you know, for, for gender equality, pay equality, for a lot of different things. But right now, our main focus is for Black models. And I'm so glad to be a part of a collective of over 200 plus models of all races and sizes and gender and um and gender and we're just all coming together and supporting a, an initiative that should be debuting really soon um to talk about the changes that we really want to see you know you have to if you're going to come you got to come correct so i know models for change now right. is really doing their part to really get things together. So when you put your ask out there, you're really asking and putting some things into play. And I don't think it's necessarily about trying to, um, you know, uh, nobody's trying to really shame someone. We just want to actually do something where we can collaborate and make, make change and make it now. I am the whitest (laughs) white girl. And (laughs) so, and the thing is, is that like, I, you know, I've been trying to find my role and being a good ally or like, do I even get to choose if I am an ally? I've had like, you know, I think there's a lot of mixed signals right now going on. And so like, I try to, so I'm, I'm going to ask the annoying white girl questions, right? I'm going, and, and, and please come at me like exactly as you want to, because I feel like right now mm-hmm. I have a platform that reaches a lot of other privileged white women. And so I'm going to ask the questions that the people maybe are too scared to ask. We can have the uncomfortable conversations. I can, you know, you can put me in my place because I, fi- I feel like I want to help, but I don't even mm-hmm. know where to begin. Do you know what I'm saying? And so when it comes to something like this, aside from you guys coming on and talking about this movement in general and, you know, hashtags and where to follow on Instagram, what can I do? 
as you know an ally or do I not even get to choose whether or not I am an ally? Do I am I told when well, I am? One? I mean, I think there's a lot of different ways that people can be allies. Sometimes it's online. Sometimes it's in in uh, through policy. Sometimes it's through everyday life. Um, speaking up, you know, if someone, if you see someone is not, you know, um, getting paid fairly, sharing your pay that you're getting for something so they can ask for the same thing. If you see something that is uh, racist prejudice happening in front of you, speaking up and saying, you know what, this should not be going on because this is a thing. When you are a person who is non-Black, uh, you have a certain level yes. of privilege. So certain things that you think, oh, why didn't they just say this? Or why didn't they just do this? Yeah, if I do right. certain things, it's perceived to be the angry Black woman. If I do certain things, it's, right. it's how could she ask for that? I mean, that looks totally fine for me, you know? No, if you right. see something is wrong, using your privilege, using your access, using your voice to say, this is not okay. And how can we fix this? How can we make this an even playing field for this person? How can, um, right now, what you're right. doing is helpful. You're giving the floor to, to me and Jazz to be able to speak our truth and to have this conversation. Um, I am big about us having conversations because that's how we learn about each other. That's how we learn about the world. And that's how we learn about ourselves. When we sit down and we have conversations with each other. One of the things I like about like one of my favorite uh, neighborhood um, um, restaurants, it has a bar area. And I mean, you see black, white, Latino, gay, straight, kids you see like all types of people there and the conversations that people are having are having it shows you how much we're different but also how much we're alike and this is why conversations like this have to happen um but yeah allyship can look so many different ways i'll let jazz touch on it some too i when it comes to allyship in general just like laris was saying it's about using your privilege, first the acknowledgement of said privilege, because a lot of people feel like if you acknowledge that you have privilege, that's acknowledging that you may have been racist at some point in your life. And I feel like the thing is we want to have these conversations so we can actually change people's mind and change people's perception and, you know, humanize our experiences. Because when it comes down to it, I noticed when I was like in predominantly white spaces, the reason why they don't understand what we go through is because they don't have other people of color around them. They're, if they only surround themselves mm-hmm. with themselves, then and the only perception they have of Black people is what they see in the media mm. and what they see on television and music and everything else, then it's not a human experience. You you see it as just another thing that you see on TV. I used to I used to work at this bar, um, and it was very much a Caucasian space. <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was it was one time I um, I walked in and they had like a day party and everything was loud and popping. And I went into it's like a three room kind of thing. I went into one room and it was all white faces. And when I walked in and I'm 5'10", and I had on heels that day, so I'm probably like (laughs) 6'3", big, black, 
huge hair and I walk in and it's, uh, it felt like the record scratched and everyone turned and looked at me like, like, whoa, what is mm-hmm. she doing here? Walked, in, walked into the other room, it was like one token ethnic person. And at that moment, I realized I was like, wow, they've never, most of them have never hugged a black person. Yeah. You've never, you've never, you, you don't know what it's like to experience friendship mm. with us. Yeah. So you don't know, you don't understand why we feel the way that we feel because you don't mm-hmm. get deep with us. Right. You, all of the conversations are very surface level. My white friends, we, we have very deep conversations where they understand their privilege and they understand why I feel the way that I feel, why we've been named the angry black woman and why they feel comfortable calling us the angry black woman. Right. So that, so I think, excuse me, I think all of the, all of the misunderstandings of the world in general Mm -hmm. comes from miscommunication and the inability to Mm -hmm. talk about things. So I don't like, and, and even in, in, being able to be vocal, we are still not your spokespeople for all of the Black people in the world. Right. Just like you, get, we went to the same schools as African Americans. We went to the same schools that you guys went to, taught the same American history, false American history that you guys were taught. Right. And we had to use Google. We had to use our network. We had to do whatever we had to do to educate ourselves beyond American history, because that is all they teach us. So just like we had to learn about our history, you guys can learn about our history too. Utilize Google, utilize, there are so many resources out there. Yeah. Thankfully, hopefully the, your platform can be a resource for people to you know, understand what we go through as Black people and why we need these allies. And you being an ally is just using your platform, using your privilege, whatever and that also- looks like. empathizing i I think empathy is really important Mm -hmm. and 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 it's taking one e out and putting the other e in and that other e is taking your ego taking your ego out of the situation don't center yourself Mm -hmm. in the in the issue take your ego out and 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 instead of as soon as you feel ego coming let me tap into the empathy let me tap into the yeah. empathy. Let me look yeah, at it from a different point of view. And that's what me and Jazz are saying. When we have these conversations, when you have more than one black friend who is not your work buddy, yes. you know, you start to really build friendships and learn about what other people go through. And that is important to, to deepen your level of empathy so you can really help um, create the change that we all need to see. Because we are a melting pot, especially here in New York. We're a melting pot of people. Right. But there are certain, some people who live in different parts of the world who may not come into Black people as often, but even they still have to, they, they should have a certain level of empathy, um, of human dignity to want to see everyone yes. have the same uh, rights. You know, it's like we celebrate, uh, it's independent, you know, we're approaching independence weekend i don't know when you're putting this podcast out but um you know people have this right after this weekend people talk about the whole thing with the flag but the flag is not just this like material flag it's supposed to stand for like liberty and justice for all so if it's not liberty and justice for all then you should feel a certain type of uh empathy and 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 um, way that you want to help other people that you know and love or work with 
have the same rights as you. Yep. So the thing that for me, I've, I've been like really imploring my audience <clears throat> to sit in the discomfort because being uncomfortable is well, uncomfortable, but like, and like jazz said, you know, like you have to admit the white privilege. Right. And, and like you said, that's scary because what if I did or thought, or, you know, said something racist, I want to say to every one of my white listeners listening right now, you probably <laughs> fucking did, bitch. And you know what? Yeah, and I exactly. Think, and they're scared because it's like, well, I'm going to get canceled. Well, guess what? You got to own that there's a problem. So admit that you probably thought, mm -hmm. thought, did, said maybe something. And listen, it's a spectrum, right? I'm not saying that if you are admitting to your white privilege that you're a part of like, you know, no. the KKK, <laughs> right? But, but... But let's get real. You probably did. So say, you know what? I definitely probably mm -hmm. thought or did something. Admit that first. And then once there's a problem that's been admitted, then we can actually start to do the work. And so I had to admit right, a bunch wrong. of things. I had, and I'm lucky enough that I have black listeners that reached out to me whenever, because I started to finally mm -hmm. fucking open my eyes, right? Like I was a white girl that was like, I don't like talk politics because like, I think it's rude. And then I'm like, holy shit. That is the most white privilege mm -hmm. thing I could ever say. Yes. I don't have to always be in control of the conversation. I need to bring the conversation to my Ooh, audience. Taylor, that was and good. so once one that thing, clicked. Yeah, that was good. Thank one you. Thing, one thing that I always that I always say because you said these conversations are uncomfortable. And I always say that when God wants you to change something, he makes you uncomfortable. Yeah. That's why we that's why, you know, it's it's like growing pains. So of course it's gonna hurt a little bit, but like you said, you're finding comfort in that discomfort and you're becoming used to it used to having these conversations so that way it just flows it's just natural for you to be comfortable with having conversations that incite change exactly. so that that's what it's about it's it's about like i saw a post of a guy who who said at one point he was racist and he did the work and he had conversations i'm like i i wish i could find it if i find it i'll send it to you but he literally did the work had conversations with people from all across the world or all black people specifically from all across the world to understand why he felt the way that he felt and rewriting his mind, like re like changing his whole mind to where now he has black friends and not in the racist, not in the racist way where it's like, no, I'm not racist. I have a black friend, right? Not in that way, but actually learning and maintaining friendships with people who are outside his immediate circle. That's how he, was able to change his mind and being honest about, you know, what he was experiencing. Like, like I was racist, but this is how I'm, this is, these are the steps that I'm yeah. taking to change. Let me ask you a question. Cause this is really important. So I, so we hear about this guy, I was racist, right? Which is, I think for white people, well-intentioned, let's say white people, that's the scariest thing we could ever say, right? Like I'm a good person. Racists are bad people. I'm not a bad pe person. So this guy admits that he was a racist. What is more offensive as a, black women to you somebody saying i was a racist but i became better and 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 i am no longer one or somebody who says i don't have a white person i don't have a, a racist bone in my body what's more what what phrase is more offensive to you i was racist bone in my body. not having a racist bone in, in their body because i know it's a lie like that's the like i know you're fucking lying to me like right? that's that's yes. the, that's the problem like you literally you are unintentional that, because of just systemic racism. Yeah, yeah, you can't help Some things it. are unintentional. Yes. And that's the thing. And it's about like rewriting that mind. So somebody coming to me and saying, yo, I felt away at one point. I was racist at one point, but I'm changing. 
Yes. That's I, I I will always value honesty. This is this is why with with Donald Trump and all his supporters or whatever, I don't mind them showing their faces. Okay. Because now I know. Because before they were they weren't they weren't being outwardly racist. They were doing stuff low key behind the scenes. But now y'all are out here. Yeah. Now mm-hmm. now I can see you and I know mm-hmm. how to move around you. So I, I'd always value honesty. Yeah. Always. Uh- Okay. Do I respect them? <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> but <laughs> but I see you. Yeah, that goes right. back to, right. to what you were talking about earlier. I have a quote of you you have to get uncomfortable to get comfortable. So to piggyback off of what Jazz is saying, I say that all the time. You have to get uncomfortable to get comfortable. So you have to do the uncomfortable thing. But once you get past that part. Mm-hmm. That's where you find a new level of comfort and, and getting uncomfortable, sorry to shake some people is, uh, it, yeah, it's some, sometimes it's protests. Sometimes it's looting and riots. Sometimes it's hard conversations. Um, so it's a lot of different things because, you know, if you've been trying to be patient and do it the right way sometimes sometimes it's the chaos that creates change and right now we're seeing a lot of change that is happening we're seeing different officers um you know being reprimanded quickly uh being arrested and being charged um we're even having conversations within the black community about coming together in different ways and and just a lot of people I'll say specifically a lot of black people have never in their lives. I know for me, I've never felt the, this level of transparency, honesty, and comfort to be able to speak my truth as a black woman uh, about, you know, race, privilege, uh, about white people, <laughs> um, um, yes. about yes. certain prejudice that I go through within my occupation, uh, we've never felt this level of comfort where it feels like people are actually listening because when we're speaking, we're not trying to just like, I know for me, I'm not trying to just make somebody feel bad. I'm trying to vocalize something so you can see why it pains me. You know, you can see why sometimes people of my color do this or do that some people didn't even realize the different levels of systemic racism, whether it's in real estate, whether yeah. it's in the prison system. Um, they are like discovering so many things. I had um, a model, a fellow model of mine, her agent who's been in the industry for years. She didn't realize some of the issues that her own model was going through regarding race on sets. She was like, I mean, I thought there were issues yeah. with size, but I just, I thought we were past that. And it just shows you how no. I'm like, so you didn't <laughs> notice when people just think racism just jumped up <laughs> and walked away. Like, <laughs> it's like, that's not, that's not how it you works. Know, like her being a, <laughs> exactly. Her being a booker. You mean to tell me when you got the breakdown and it said, send me uh, th- your best uh, size six white models, ethnically ambiguous and Latina models, but they didn't say anything about black or anything about uh, Indian or anything. You didn't, you didn't notice that there was a a preference preference going on. Are you serious? (laughs) 
You didn't notice the tokenism within our industry? You didn't notice? The lack of opportunity. Like that's the fact that you have, you get all of these emails from all (laughs) of these different clients. And this email says white model, white model, white model, white model. Black, but not that right. black. Because <laughs> she looks mixed. You know, <laughs> Latina. Yeah, looks, can we, can we ethnic, talk about that? Ethnically ambiguous. Can we talk about of- this? Like, ethnically ambiguous? Can we, t- like, like I, I want to know more about that. And black, but not that black. Ooh, what does that mean? SBB's like, I hear questions. it. Yes. Ooh. Okay, Ooh. so Ooh. within the fashion. <laughs> Y'all want the sea to be hot today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> in the fashion industry and I mean this is you know I work within plus but I still work within fashion period um, but also for the straight size models which which is the strong the smaller models the the standard as far as what it's been for for eternity so far um, right the there you go your traditional sample size. size thanks jazz yeah which is what uh, like two to two <laughs> Two to six. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I wouldn't even, yeah. I know, because I, I have a bunch of friends that worked in fashion. Maybe a six. And those bitches went to Pilates every single day and ate like egg, wa- egg, egg whites exclusively so they could fit into the sample size to get clothes for exactly. free from the pages that they, they, exactly. they worked at. But people don't yeah, even really. Yeah, exactly. We call the, mo- we call the, the model look, diet. even that. <laughs> yep. Cigarettes, cigarettes, even and cocaine. <laughs> but look, even that sizeism is a level of microaggression and systemic racism. (laughs) Systemic racism, because naturally we are not size. I mean, we do have models of course, or people in our community who are size two and four, but we are naturally curvy people. So you exclude a size two model because she has wide, naturally wider hips because she's a black woman. Right. Like that's, it happens yeah. in fashion but, but all the time. To, to get what we yep. were saying there's been this whole let okay we're gonna book a black model okay so they they tend to a lot of times go for two particular looks and that is either like a ethnically ambiguous so it's like is she mixed is she latina is she is she she can yeah. fit into any yeah. box you want to yeah. want her in yeah so she has her hair is just is just mm-hmm. curly enough mm-hmm. to be ethnic, but soft enough to where mm-hmm. you know it's not too too black, like you know. And um, and then her skin tone is probably light, maybe light colored mm-hmm. eyes. Those are the ones who you know get the most work because they can appeal to multiple audiences. Mm-hmm. At least they think because we look at that and we cannot identify with that. Right. She has. She has. She even though she may be black, maybe may have you know black experiences. But her walk is different than our walk. We don't we don't have all of the same experiences and we don't have she definitely has a lot more privileges than right. we do. Right. As as black models, as African American models. And Lyris, you were and talking the, about the, the other side the other is side. Uh, very African. Whether it's uh, a ah, very Lu- okay. Lupita, mm-hmm. Nyango, um yep. and Although we think she's amazingly beautiful, but she also doesn't represent all of us either, especially here in America, as far as African Americans. And I wait, stupid question, real quick: African Americans sure, different than Africans, correct? Right? Mm-hmm. African Americans different than Africans? Because I think a lot of I white mean, people think black is black, but I that there's there's a distinction. 
right? Well, black is black, but you know, just like when we're when we're African Americans, you think of the historic African Americans. We our ancestry is from Africa, but we were brought to America. Right. Slavery and and on 400 plus years of the American experience for black people wasn't beneficial, wasn't fun, but whatever. Um, but African models are or African people are, you know, people who are born and raised in Africa or, or have, you know, their roots are, their ancestors are closer. Their African ancestors are closer. I don't know yes. if I'm saying this right, but no. you know, maybe their, maybe their parents and their grandparents are from Africa. They have, they know exactly which part of Africa their family comes from. Right. I have no clue. Right. They have that's, the, that's the thing. My roots, my roots, as far as what I know, is only Compton, <laughs> California. <laughs> like, right. like my, yeah, so my, my family's from Watts. Like, that, that's what I know of my ancestry. Whereas they know exactly which part of, you know, the world. Like, just like how, I don't, I don't know your background, but you might be Irish American or something mm. like that. Or or Polish or something like that. But it's different if your grandparents and stuff was there, were there, or if you were there right. and you came over to America. So right. same way versus being born and raised here and your like immediate yeah, family. And, and the thing here, is, right? yes, yeah. Our yeah. blackness has so many different looks. So we're not saying we, we, and this is the thing we want everybody to work. I just, I'm just saying, let's show. Mm -hmm. The, I, I've said this the other day, the smorgasbord of our blackness and our beauty that we possess. We don't mm -hmm. come in just two forms. So we, yes. you know, it's like, okay, she's not black enough. And then it's like, they're running to the other side of, okay, well, this is very black. So we'll use this. And it's like, yeah, but you're forgetting all these other people mm -hmm. in the, in the middle. <laughs> and yeah, in the middle, as beautiful, beautiful as both ends are, they're like, Lyris and I both, yeah, we learned Lyris and I both and a lot of models that we know, we definitely fall mm -hmm. in between that spectrum. Yeah. And and the majority of I mean, maybe not the but the majority of black people in America don't identify with either of those sides. They're mm -hmm. not being represented. So yes. We're not being represented. So that's that's the problem with, you know, and and a lot of times the tokenism is where they go, mm -hmm. they go one or the other. So mm -hmm. if you if you want a black model or we need to fill this quota to so that we don't get canceled so that way we can put on the like the guise of diversity and the guise of inclusivity we're going to go ahead and grab either someone who is ethnically ambiguous or someone who is african and it leaves us out and so, and it almost sometimes well, the ethnically oh, ambiguous it's like okay so we filled that quota, but we, okay, great. She doesn't look that black. So like, it's not going to scare our customers. And, you know, like this is, this is more palatable to the person. When, when the thing is brands out there, you get to tell your stories. You get to choose how you market um, your brand. And if you show more diversity, you're actually going to attract more customers um, more people who are able to see yes. themselves within your brand. Right. So it's like, why are you caring about these few people who may be offended that you used a black model to show clothes when in actuality, the, the, especially the, the female black spending, uh, amount in our country is huge. Black women spend 
money. Black people yeah. spend a lot of money. So it's like, mm-hmm. why wouldn't you want to tap into yeah. that market? Like there, a lot of times it's like, they don't want, like we've even seen it jazz. And I, I need to do a video on this one about how you have photographers who will accept us paying them for a test shoot. Cause as models, we have to update our portfolios. So we do these test shoots so yeah. they will shoot a black model, but because of the aesthetic of their page, they may not post the pictures. You know, I'm telling you no. this. You have brands it that, all the time. Wow. I'm not all even going to say this brand's time. name, but there are big, major brands out there who will uh, pay different black influencers to wear their clothes, but on the company's Instagram page, all you see is like ethnically ambiguous white Spanish. Greek because they want us to promote their their brand mm-hmm. to our audience. Yes. But they won't represent our yes. audience in their yes. brand. Yes. Fuck. <laughs> and this is like and these are the things that I guess I like I would completely look over. I wouldn't even realize that they were happening unless we were mm-hmm. having this conversation. And this is why what you guys are doing mm-hmm. models for change now. It's so important. So basically Everyone who, every model that's a part of Models for Change now is so brave sharing mm-hmm. their stories, right? I mean, I, I believe, I, Jazz, I think I, I was watching your video and you were like, I'm kind of scared to tell this story, but here I go, yeah. right? Yeah, and- I mean, we know that in speaking out about the the things that we're doing <laughs> that happen to us in this industry, we know that we're risking getting blackballed. Like that's that's a huge thing. Lyris has put her her neck on the line several times throughout this throughout her career so I just got to the point where I'm I'm so fed up like I'm so I'm so tired of going on set and you know the little microaggressions oh you want hip-hop tonight right or today right or like not matching my makeup and I was telling this story about you know being in the makeup chair and having the makeup artist as she's painting my face defending blackface Mm-hmm. What? Like, that's her that's, her, that's her what, black model life happens. story. We want everybody to check I out was, the hashtag um my black model life. Yep. So tell her just life. Yeah. So so basically um I was booked for this client. This is this is at the beginning of my career when I was flying back and forth to New York. I got booked for this client. I was really excited. And I show up on set. It's my first day working with them. And this is somebody that, you know, I work with pretty regularly now. Um, I show up on set and I sit in the makeup chair and, you know, we start talking just like how we do with every makeup artist. She probably starts painting my face gray, like, you know, because, <laughs> because I've been every color but brown. That's, that's the bad match, the mismatching of black skin a lot of times by white makeup artists because they haven't really studied but they'll say oh no I can do everybody's makeup and a lot of black models end up being the test dummy on set so yes always and then and then but it's just like just like how we say they have two colors they have two colors for black people for black models they have the light color which you know and then they have the very dark color and they try and they try and fit us in some kind of way, but they usually use a color that's not my color and I come out gray. But anyways, <laughs> um, I sit in the makeup chair and we're chatting and the topic of discussion that day was uh, Instagram makeup artist who <laughs> who did blackface. 
and like was trying to show he was trying to show that he can do any skin tone but instead of using a model of a different skin tone he was like fuck it i'm gonna just paint myself black so whoa (laughs) exactly so so that was of course he was getting super canceled he was getting a lot of black backlash he deleted his or I think maybe Instagram deleted his post and then he put it back up and was like, I'm proud of my work and blah, blah, blah. Granted, I think he was from somewhere else. So maybe he didn't understand fully. But if if all of the people on your page are educating you on why this is wrong, say you're from the Netherlands or or somewhere else where, you know, maybe this isn't a big deal to y'all, but it's a huge deal to us and for everyone across the world. So it's wrong. If you have all these people educating you, listen, be educated and put the post back up. So we're talking about it. We're in the makeup chair and we're talking about it. And she's telling me about how, you know, yeah, like I understand it's wrong and I'm breaking down to her the history of blackface and why, you know, this isn't all right. And I thought we were on the same page. I thought, you know, I thought I got it through her head. She even, she told me about how um, she did a photo shoot and people thought she was, you know, appropriating a, a, a Native American culture because she did like a, a Mad Max theme or something like that. I've mm-hmm. never seen it, so I don't know. But um, so I was just telling her about appropriation and about Jim Crow and about um, blackface and everything. Thought we were on the same page. We get off out of the makeup room and go on set and I'm standing in front of the backdrop. First look on. And she's doing my final touch up. And then she says to me, like, as she's like brushing my face, she was like, yeah, but blackface can't be that bad if for their own, if it's for their own creative expression. Right. And then she like daps my nose. She was like, you're all done. And then the photographer immediately picks up his camera and starts shooting me. And at that moment, like I I said in my post, I had to shut up and be pretty. I had a job to do. Right. I got like, as much as I wanted to curse her out and be like, did, did you not just hear, excuse my language, but this no, is how please, I felt. No. I, like, I, I, like, it's like a fucking yeah. gut punch. She gives yeah, you, exactly. And then you're like right in front of the camera and you're walking yeah. away. Like I was completely blindsided. There, there was no walking away though. There was like there, I couldn't, I couldn't even step away immediately. He started shooting and I had to put on a pretty face. So while I'm smiling, I mean, thankfully I'm good at my job. Right. Or, but that, you know, I guess it's like a good and bad thing because as black women, we're so used to just putting on a happy mm-hmm. face and pushing through whatever yeah. it is that we're going through. Nobody knows what's weighing on our shoulders every day. Every time I walk outside the door, I receive all these microaggressions and flat out racism every single time. But we're so used to it. Right. We're so you like we're so used to carry on carrying this weight that, you know, People and we carry it so mm, well. People don't understand mm-hmm. how heavy it is. This, this that's is what the, that's the thing. I like have it's, to say, it's heavy. It's on our shoulders. Heavy. We're strong. We can carry it, but doesn't. But that doesn't mean that we should be. It's still heavy as hell. So, so this is like it's it, talking to you and I. You know, I I'm so lucky to have black friends, black colleagues. I mean, black listeners who have been reaching out to me and not that it's their job at all, but educating me. And I'm so it's such a gift, and I'm so appreciative. And you know what? We were talking earlier, Lyris, about this idea mm-hmm. of like the angry black woman, right? Are you fucking kidding me? If a white Karen experienced one, like one single moment of what you have to go through every single day, well, we're seeing what happens. She fucking <laughs> flips out, 
right? She won't wear her shit. fucking mask, screams at everything at Trader Joe's. It's unbelievable. Like, <laughs> angry black women, you're not angry at all. Quite the opposite. So patient, so composed. Like, I just, yeah. I mean, want to know who's angry and out of control. That's, that's kind of like the example. I posted this, um, I posted this video of Jane Elliott, who has been a known educator on race. And she does this experiment. um, And she starts talking to the white girl and she's saying all these things against white people. And the white girl gets up and she's like storming out. And she's like, is she hurt? And she like breaks it down. I'm telling you. If you have to go to my, my Instagram and find it, it's in my IGTV. Um, my Instagram's at Lyris C. L-I-R-I-S-C. Go check it out. That video has already over a half a million views. It's amazing. And people are having these conversations. And then it's funny because you have people who still center themselves or they didn't get it. But look up Jane Elliott on YouTube some of the studies and some of the speeches that she's given, she's absolutely amazing. But if you see this one exercise, it shows you exactly what mm. you just said, Taylor, about somebody putting themselves in our shoes and how much they are like losing it at that very moment. Yeah. They couldn't, they couldn't walk in our shoes if they even, if they even tried. That's the, that's the thing. Like our shoes have been way too big yeah. for any of them to fit. And they trip and fall every time they get a little, little, little mm-hmm. taste of it. So Jane Elliott doing that exercise where she basically, you know, gave them a mm-hmm. black experience, a little snippet of a black experience. And everyone's crying. Every, no one can handle mm-hmm. it. Nope. But this is what we walk around with every day. Every day. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. born. Uh, literally, we were born angry black women, but we were taught to smile over it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like all the time, yeah. So just, it's, just like it's trash, just, just like <laughs> we keep it just cute. like when we're on set <laughs> and we know that the the matchup isn't the makeup isn't matching or the hair isn't right. You know <laughs> that the person didn't do your natural hair right or or your even your wig right. You know what I mean? And you're right. just grinning and bearing it. Lyris and I have a have a, a thread. Lyris <laughs> and I have. Every every time Lyris and I are on set, we send each other selfies of terrible makeup. <laughs> if we were to publish this thread and get, like, it would be crazy because we'll get on set or even even down from when Lyris and I were on Project Runway, all we would do is get our makeup done and we look we just look at each other and we both mm-hmm. head to the bathroom to fix it. <laughs> yeah. Every time they used to get oh, so upset with us God. because we would come with our foundation already on because we knew they couldn't match us. And this right. is national television. This is and for, and for me, this is this is my first time doing something like this. I was a you brand new model at the that. time. That was like, like trying to is, stick up for ourselves just regarding the hair and makeup. And we know that they didn't have the amount of shades needed for us. And it was just like I can't right. believe that you guys are making it seem like I'm like, we're kind of being testy about the fact that you difficult. don't have difficult, difficult about going and telling our agent that we weren't acting that we're right, showing that we up with our foundation on, but we're not like, we really have our color, nor do you have the amount you of don't time match- to really fully match us properly. And, but and also, you're like helping them. Actually, yeah. you're you're taking the hardest Make step it. 
that they're not exactly. clearly capable of doing. They should be saying thank <laughs> you for doing my exactly. job for me before you showed up. No, how about how about on when it came down to hair? Just the this one hair was the one black hairstylist. One black hairstylist. So for me, I remember there was one episode, it was one of the last episodes when I was with Kentaro. And Kentaro wanted my hair in a slick, straight ponytail. The entire season, my hair has been curly. Right. Like this is this is how I wear my hair. I don't really straighten my hair. Like so, they had the head the head hairstylist. Jen, she's a sweetheart. Head hairstylist is a white woman. So I showed up with my hair curly, and sat in her chair. And they left me and was like, "Yeah, we're gonna go really straight." Blah blah blah. On camera, she's the one doing my hair. As soon as the cameras went down, they sent me straight to the black hairstylist. <laughs> Kira is an are the black hairstylist is is Kira and she's amazing mm-hmm. and she whipped my hair into into shape like she slicked my edges had the hot comb she had all of the tools as a as a hairstylist in general that you should have right but she didn't get the shine who got the shine the white hairstylist and that's that's the problem that we have that's the systemic shit that we're talking about right. that you know in the in the front you're always going to put the white person there, but the person doing all the work and that literally 400 plus years from like, we can tie that into the black woman having to breastfeed the white baby. Right. And then, but all of the mothering, all of the, the parenting, all the, all of the credit goes to the white mother, but the black mother is the one who did all the work. Right. It literally systemic racism ties in everywhere. Mm-hmm everywhere and that that was one thing that like in re- in the moment i was just like yo i just need this black woman to hook my hair up because i know this white lady don't know what she's doing and but in retrospect i was like yo that was really foul because yeah. kira, kira kira was rarely on camera yep if at all i don't yep. remember seeing her on camera our season wow and she and she deserved because she made sure that our hair was good every time she deserved it. Like literally, but. there are times when you're going for like if you're doing a big runway show, it's almost mm-hmm. like this whole thing that the black girls walk up to each other and say, "Go to her; she'll get your foundation mm-hmm. right," or "Go to this person; they'll do your hair right." Like it shouldn't uh-huh. be like yep. that. It shouldn't no. have this level level of anxiety or this uh, these whispers that we have to do to each other. Or the sneaking in the bathroom to try and fix it. Like, we shouldn't even have to do that. Or, no. or, or being the last ones to get our hair and makeup The very done. last one. Literally sitting, literally sitting, oh, this, this one time for Fashion Week. They played me. Literally sitting in, you, you see the hair and makeup artists, like, especially the hairstylist, you see them avoid you the whole time. And you're like, they're like, uh, I'll take her or I'll take her next. It's never the black models. But this one time during fashion week, Lord, we have, we have stories, child. <laughs> one time, Tell them all. One time during fashion week, they said, they said jazz. They had, I think they had three different hairstyles for the, for the, um, the models. They said jazz is getting all three at once. So I was like the example. So it was supposed to be cornrows on the side and it was supposed to be like, up into a pony and long beads on the side, three braids on the side. So for some reason, this white hairstylist was like, I know how to, I know how to corn roll. <laughs> like just 
she volunteered. I don't know why, but she did. So she's sitting there. <laughs> Shit. And I'm from the hood. Like I'm from the east side of Compton. Oh, wait a minute. Let me My see. My people this. know Brandon, how to cornrow. Some do. So we're not, we're not, we're not getting on the some ones do. who don't. But if you really know right. that you're this is not your strong suit, you shouldn't have been volunteering. Back. Exactly. If you know that black hair is not your strong suit, you should go and learn how to do black hair. Mm-hmm. You should not be allowed on these sets without knowing how to do every type of hair because Absolutely. you are a hairstylist. There's right. no way. I personally don't think she should have ever been booked because she didn't know what she was doing. But but yes, and, th- but that's and this a systemic is, thing too because the hair schools they're not even really taught. Well, even the, the 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 heads that they practice on are mainly. Mm-hmm. Uh, European straight hair, hair, straight hair. So it's like mm-hmm. how, they're not even bringing in the right people or the right. Um, I don't know what you would call them, like the the he- the model heads, uh, yeah. for them to practice mm-hmm. on to learn about all these different textures. So that just shows you how right. systemically they feel like. Well, I was taught this in hair school, or I was taught this in makeup school. This is what we learned on. So. It should be able to translate to everybody, and that's not the case. So, okay, so with this one, this lady, you know, it doesn't take that long to do one cornrow. She spent all of my hair and makeup time on one cornrow, oh my trying God. to get it done. <laughs> and then the designer comes. The designer comes by. Oh my and God! She looks. She looks at it and she's like, "What is this?" She was like, "This isn't right. This is not right at all." And she was like, "Take this down." Do it over. We're going to send her to somebody who can do it. They And then we're going and undoing the, the braid. And she I ended up doing it myself because she didn't want to get her hands dirty with all the gel that she put in my hair. And gel does not work for my black hair. That, the type of gel that she had, uh-huh. and I told her that it didn't work, that does not work for my black hair. So she, I ended up doing it myself really fast. And I ended up with my hair in a ponytail with a headband over it. Damn. Because I didn't, because I didn't have time to do the do the hair the way they want it, and I ended up doing the rehearsal with no makeup on. Everybody else had makeup on, mm. and as soon as rehearsal was over, I had to run and get my face done, and I had maybe a total of five minutes to get it done. And they sent me straight. Thankfully, sent me straight to the to the black makeup artist, and right. like she was able to like do my skin really quickly, but. It was a horror story. And yeah. this this wasn't my first time walking in Fashion Week, but like it's just one of many stories that I have where you know, we just aren't treated right. Yeah. And what a disadvantage too, because you know, it's like you have to perform as somebody who's like we I'm I'm not a model, but performing is performing and like the, the 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 basis of performance is like you need to know you're putting your best foot forward, right? Like literally. Mm-hmm. So when you're right. rushed and you're like, you know, literally at a disadvantage for the look that you're supposed to have and you know you don't have the look, that can really fuck with your brain and then you're not performing mm-hmm. to your best level. And right. it's, I mean, it's the perfect example of a complete and total disadvantage. And I'm sure right. like, there's white models that have no idea, here we go, white privilege. They don't even know what it's like to walk in and go, shit, is this going to, is, is everything going to get fucked up today? Because everything, yep. this is something I've been talking about with some friends too. My black friends versus my white friends. My black friends have said to me, you white people 
always expect everything to work out in your favor. And when it doesn't, you freak the fuck out. But usually Mm -hmm. it does. So you don't really have many opportunities where you freak out. Whereas like my black friends and colleagues, they're like, we're always prepared for shit to go bad. You know, always, always. And this and, and like hearing you tell these stories is a complete example of that. I mean, it's like you're always expecting the worst walking into every work scenario. And we're, usually we're always prepared for the worst in general. This, this is this is why when we show up to set every every single set, when I say every time I show up with my hair completely done with a bag full of options. Mm-hmm. Like if you if you happen to want my hair straight, I have a wig for that because you're not going to straighten my hair and burn my shit out. Right. I have like every <laughs> every I have something for everything. I bring a big heavy bag every time I go to set of all of my garments, all of my hair products, my makeup, all of it. Curling Because they irons, never... Curling iron. Why am I traveling with that? I'm a model. Right. Why do I have to travel with my, with my, with my hair tools? It doesn't make any sense. Bags of different so, wigs. All types of stuff that we yep. carry just to either protect our hair or to help us to not look like uh, a clown. Mm-hmm. A clown or a ghost. One or the other. So... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, imagine. Or, or I've even been, I've even been orange as Donald Trump, child. <laughs> but Taylor, it's almost the equivalent of imagine if your makeup, your foundation was done jazz's color, and you just have to go in in front of the camera and just grin and bear it, and just be like, "Oh, yep. well, this is what the makeup artist decided." So it's yep. the same equivalent for us going in yeah. and it's either too you know the shade is too bright or it's too dark or you know it yeah. or too red they don't understand mm-hmm. the undertone correct and and then when and then when you see the ad campaign you don't say damn that makeup artist was trash you say that model was trash mm-hmm. it's exactly a complete representation of us not them so it's not so when the client gets the photos and they're like damn we don't really like how these came out came out they don't not book the hair and makeup team again. Exactly. They don't book us. Mm-hmm. Right. And then one, a lot of times one black model is the representation for everyone. So if I show up and I don't do my part, there's, there's a big likelihood that they'll never book another black model again because it was too difficult to do her mm-hmm. hair. It took too long. And when it's really, they just didn't have the fucking skill set to do mm-hmm. it. Right. That's, that's the issue. Yep. I it here. And, and, and there's already, <laughs> like we said, there's, there, there's been historically limited positions. So it's like you, you're sometimes scared to speak up because you don't want to lose the fact that you finally booked this one position with this client, you know? Oh my God, I'm right. finally on set. Well, let me not be the person who's complaining about the fact that my, my makeup is wrong and my hair is completely not together correctly, you know? I'm here. Quick to call us a diva. Mm -hmm. To that point, I feel like now probably more than ever, you guys are being asked to book things maybe that you didn't book before or not really. I'll say I'm definitely... Um, Are brands looking for more black women right now? They are. Oh, they're they're definitely trying to put on for black people like like never before. And us being able to speak up and use our voices, this is a foreign thing for us. Mm -hmm. Because without, because finally people are listening. Yes. Finally, like we're banding together in a way, not just black people, but allies. Mm-hmm. Yes. And whether, whether the allyship is performative or not, black lives matter is cool right now. Mm-hmm. 
So I always say whether whether they're being genuine about it or not, the bigger picture is yes. that not being inclusive and not being diverse and not and treating black people correctly is the standard now. So if you don't have now, if you don't have a Black Lives Matter post on your Instagram, you're getting canceled. We're not dealing with you. Everyone is not rocking with you. So it's cool. And I'm 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 fine with that. Whether you're performative or not, you're mm-hmm. adding to my bigger picture, which is equality for my people. Truth, I probably just learned about this through following both of you on Instagram and and seeing what you're doing with Models for Change now. And mm-hmm. I realized that, you know, the beauty industry, the fashion industry, they have been leaving black women out forever. Uh, I have a co-host on my radio show. Her name is Mackenzie Green. She's phenomenal. She talks about, you know, what you guys have been saying about how many, how, like, as a white woman, you don't know what it's like to go to the drugstore and not see your skin color, like literally anywhere. And you have to mix together like fucking 15 different shades to get your actual skin tone. Like these yeah. small things that are massive mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of things. So, yeah. so I could talk, I, I mean, I could talk to you guys literally forever. <laughs> um, and I know you guys have so many stories and you're continuing to share them. So, where can people go to hear all of your stories? I mean, like, like, and I know you're going to continue bringing in new voices and new stories. So where can everybody go to keep this conversation going? Yes, please make sure you follow the Models for Change Now page on Instagram. It's Models for Change Now. And the hashtag that they're using is hashtag my black model life. So check the hashtag. Uh, for mm-hmm. stories there, but make sure that you're following the Models for Change page, Models for Change Now page. Also on Facebook, they're on Facebook and on Twitter, it's under Change Models, Change Models. So follow there so that way you can see stories because those these stories are going to continue to come out, especially as they start to unroll their initiative. So please make sure that you're following them. Um, I also do my best to amplify the stories that are out there. So make sure that you're following me on Instagram and Twitter uh, at Lyris L-I-R-I-S-C. C is for my last name, Cross. And um, you can find me on Facebook under Lyris Cross. I have two different pages there. Jazz? Yeah. Oh, so, wait a minute. Um, and our so web, gets- uh, the, the website. Also oh, our website. Our website is... Um, so the Models for Change Now website is modelsforchangenow.org. Um, that's where you can sign you can sign petitions, Correct. you can sign up for updates. Um, they're gonna be launching um, launching something soon. So uh, so you definitely wanna go ahead and sign up and make sure that you're in the know. Um, you can follow me on IG at Jasmine Carthon. That's J-A-Z-Z-M-I-N-E-C-A-R-T-H-O-N. And that's um, Instagram and Twitter. I also have a Facebook fan page under Jasmine Nicole Carthon. Um, there aren't as many updates on there, but you can go ahead, <laughs> you can go ahead and, and, uh, and check it out. Um, but yeah, that, that's where you can find us. We're just trying to make sure um, that we're part of changing the narrative. So, so long, you know, Black models have gotten the short end of the stick and we just want a level playing field. So please, 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 Go to modelsforchangenow.org, follow Models for Change Now on Instagram, follow Change Models on Facebook, and no, Change Models on Twitter, yes. and Models for Change Now on Facebook. Yes, uh, yeah. and Models for Change yes. Now also um, is in not not only in the fight for change for, fat, for the fashion industry, but for Black Lives Period, 
um, Models for Change Now is not just in it for change in the fashion industry. Models. Models for Change Now is also about change for Black lives, period, because we yes. believe that Black lives matter. So um, whether it's at protests, whether it's uh, out in the community doing things, make sure you're following the pages because they'll be posting different events and things that are going on in the community that, that you need models to help out with, that you need allies to help out with, that we just need everybody in the community because this is, this is what we are. We're stronger together. And they're also backed, they're also backed by um, the Black Lives Matter movement of Greater New York. So, um, so, you know, that adds to, you know, just the overall change for the culture, for American culture in general, to be a lot more inclusive and, of course, bleed in, into the rest of the world. So just trying to make some shit happen. <laughs> I love <laughs> some it. Real, some real genuine positivity out there, because I don't think you can be um, positive or consider yourself a positive person if you are complicit in racism, if you are complicit in um, right, white supremacy, if you can't even consider yourself part of the body positivity movement, if you are not body positive for all bodies, exactly. black bodies, white bodies, gay bodies, trans bodies, everybody. <laughs> like yeah. if you're not, if you're not putting on for everybody, then, then you lying, child. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you guys, <laughs> thank you so much, Lyris. I mean, I, I, the last time we hung out, talked, I, I mean, I had the best time with you. So thank you so much thank for coming you. on again. And Jazz, it was so great to meet you. You're fucking awesome, thank both you. of you. Thank and, you so much for having me. Oh my God. Thank you for giving your time. You know, seriously. I mean, you, this, these stories are so important. This perspective is so necessary. And again, one more time, guys, follow Models for Change Now at Models for Change Now. Follow Lyris at Lyris C, okay? L-I-R-I-S-C and follow Jazz at J-A-Z-Z-M-I-N-E-C-A-R-T-H-O-N on Instagram. And um, yeah, you guys, thank you so much for giving me your time today on Taste of Taylor. Thank you. You're so welcome. Thank you for having us. You guys, that's it for us this week. In the meantime, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And until then, bye, girl, bye.